to quote Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Most people think that if someone's successful, they've had everything going their way. My intent this season is to get my guest leaders to share their honest experiences, not only around leadership, but also around wellness. I've spent 14 years in the corporate jungle with IT behemoths like IBM, SAP, Wipro and GBM in Dubai and the last six founding and building B2C startups. I'm Kaushik Bose and welcome to The Brain Box. In today's episode, I have someone who, in her own words, is customer obsessed and passionate about making them successful. She's industry agnostic. She's been in software, holidays, retail, ed tech. She's Kavita Ashtakala. A very warm welcome to the show, Kavita. Thank you, Kaushik. Pleasure being on the podcast. So uh, I have to start from here. It's obvious that shifting as many industries as you have, uh, you know, it shows that you're ready to get out of your comfort zone. And that's something that's usually very taboo in most people's minds, you know, that uh, you cannot afford to fail or you cannot uh, explore, go beyond your boundaries. Whereas it's actually the polar opposite. Uh, You know, you succeed, you cannot succeed unless you fail. So what drove you to breaking out of your comfort zone so many times? Uh, thank you for this, uh, Kaushik. Uh, you rightly said, you know, you cannot fail without, uh, you cannot succeed unless you fail, uh, mm-hmm. right? To me, uh, what matters is not the number of times you fall, but the number of times you rise after your fall. So I've always mm-hmm. had that um, uh, that in my mind. And what uh, dry, drove me to these, uh, you know, to get out of my comfort zone, uh, you know, it was not intentional. It was basically, uh, most of it was accidental. There were mm-hmm. circumstances, there was adversity. And then finally, my uh, grit or determination, which was there. Circumstances, like if you take uh, a typical uh, life of a working woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you go through marriage, you go through children, and then you go through relocation. You go through layoffs. Uh, that is, of course, either for uh, men or women. Mm-hmm. And then all these things came together. So circumstantially, let's take my first uh, job, for example. Um, you know, I got typhoid and then I got a relapse of typhoid. So I had to quit before uh, because my marriage was just around the corner. And then, mm-hmm. you know, these are uh, these are things that really, uh, these are a set of circumstances which, you know, a lot of people can actually relate to. Um, falling sick, you know, childbirth, marriage, relocating to another country. Um, mm-hmm. You know, after my um, first child, um, I, I I said you know I need to take a break and when I had my when I took the break I was actually you know uh, uh, I was managing the branch in a co- of a company called uh, SSI Limited I was heading the branch and I was actually into software uh, sales mm-hmm. of you know uh, products like Microsoft and Oracle mm-hmm. um, I said you know I need to take that break that was probably one of the intentional breaks uh, that I took and after that um, we moved to the US uh, for about three years. And that was the time when I, you know, I said, I have to work in this uh, country and see how, you know, how a sales different here from India. Um, and again, circumstances, um, my, the first time the EAD, uh, EAD is the work permit there uh, in the US. The first time the EAD came, I was leaving to India for a vacation the next day. And the mm-hmm. EAD was expiring, uh, you know, a week after I came back. Um, then the second time when I applied for the EAD, I said, I'm really going to work here. Uh, be it uh, even retail, which is when I joined a retail store called One More, uh, V-O-N-M-A-U-R. 
that was a premier retail store in the Midwest, very, very focused on uh, customer, you know, customer experience in the store. So that was, uh, you know, uh, that was the first, uh, I would say, major shift in the uh, uh, career that I took, where mm -hmm. uh, I said, let me get out of my comfort zone and explore what is there in retail. Because I've always had this um, B2B bug in me. Mm -hmm. uh, then you know then I it, then it was you know I had my second child who was uh, came back to India I had my second child who was very very accident prone um, he almost drowned in the uh, swimming pool he had uh, uh, two you know stitches in his head twice so uh, with all that you know um, I I did take a back seat I took a pause and said uh, you know when I was um, 23 when I uh, completed my MBA um, from TFI Management Institute uh, I had three, you know, um, three major dreams. One was uh, to be a very successful um, uh, career woman, um, almost to the point that, you know, that I'm featured on Business World. You know, at 23, you have those dreams. Secondly, it was um, you know, also uh, to be an entrepreneur. And the third part was uh, to be a, uh, you know, social worker. I, in that, you know, you uh, bucket the, those years and say, okay, 23 to 45, I'm going to be uh, focused on my career and then uh, start a business and then get into social work. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, why not, you know, uh, just reverse the order. Uh, and okay, so far, uh, I've not had a, you know, that long stretch of a career. Why can't I just do a little bit of social work? Do use the flexibility um, uh, that I need right now and start my own enterprise. So that's mm -hmm. when I started my uh, jewelry um, solo entrepreneurship. So with all these, you know, uh, what happened was uh, it's, uh, you know, the circumstances, the kind of adversity, it pushes you to a corner, right? Uh, right. Adversity is a great teacher. So when you're pushed to the corner and you're saying, hey, you know, I need to decide. Either I, uh, you know, um, I become a totally at-home mom uh, and, you know, not explore anything outside or I create my own path. Life has given you a lemon. You decide whether you want to make a lemonade out of it. Correct. And I decided to make a lemonade out of that lemon. Right. So um, that was a great uh, learning experience with the entrepreneurship. So, uh, I mean, I think these are the things that really drove me to get out of that uh, you know, comfort zone, Kaushik. Excellent, excellent. So you've been all uh, across industries and you actually touched on a very interesting point, right? So you've been in the retail space as well. So from yes. a customer experience perspective, which which is where your, I think your biggest strength lies and I think it's the buzzword, it is the go-to thing that differentiates any successful business. So yes. what's your, uh, you know, how similar or dissimilar is the criticality of customer experience when it comes to B2B or B2C? Uh, I would say, you know, uh, they are similar in certain ways, especially in um, uh, one uh, aspect. See, uh, be it B2C or B2B, end of the day, you need to make the customer feel good, mm -hmm. right? And look good. Um, so feel good in the fact, let's say, for example, you're selling jewelry, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the experience should be such that the customer actually um, feels good buying the jewelry and not doesn't feel being sold to, right? Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, for a B2B, uh, let's take, for example, maybe um, L&D um, uh, head. Uh, the the L&D head actually wants to feel good and look good in front of his, uh, his or her business, right? They have come to you for, your for a solution and the outcomes that you, you know, that, uh, that you create 
right? Uh, mm -hmm. For them, they have to look successful in their in the eyes of their management, in the eyes of their leadership. So mm -hmm. I would say uh, the the very key to it is you have to make the customer look good and feel good. And then if you say, you know, let's take, for example, in uh, Bon Mar itself, uh, the kind of customer experience, I had a, a customer, who, uh, you know, who came in for her daughter's uh, wedding and she wanted jewelry for it. Um, we, we went up, you know, we got her jewelry, we uh, went to our other uh, store locations, ensured that uh, she got the similar type of jewelry, she wanted it for her bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. And in all that, you know, the kind of experience that we created uh, during that, um, uh, the time uh, that she came into the store, not only jewelry, but also the clothing and the shoes, she was so happy that, you know, that she got everything ready for the wedding. She actually came back to the store after the wedding and thanked me. And uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the key things where uh, I was also, um, you know, given the Employee of the Month Award. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the experience that, you know, that personal uh, feeling, uh, you have to look at them as an individual, right, uh, of how you make the person feel. Um, I think that's the bottom line. This similar uh, in terms of outcomes, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the kind of influences that you have while taking a decision. There are lesser mm -hmm. number when it comes to B2C. But with B2C, uh, of course, uh, the players are more, uh, the decision makers are more there. Correct. So, especially in B2C, right? Because uh, in my wife's salon also, I had seen that there were many such circumstances where they would come out of the salon very happy. But then okay. they would probably, probably the their neighbors or someone else would say, you know, why didn't you try this look or whatever? They get XYZ comments and then they come back saying, oh, I didn't like the look. So mm -hmm. I think especially it happens a lot, you know, like even if I'm happy with something and then someone puts in a thought in my mind and then it plays especially in a retail space where it is very subjective so how, i mean like they get influenced very easily by what somebody else says right. so how do you manage a customer experience perspective from this because it's completely on somebody else's uh, whims and fancies that this change is happening hmm. Hmm. that's an interesting one the first thing you know uh, we need to understand as people is um, uh, how how influenced are we getting by someone else's comment right Mm -hmm. um, so as a as a uh, person selling to the uh, customer, you have to first be uh, very emotionally connected to them. And so that's where I would say our you know emotional intelligence comes in. So it's not just listening, hearing the customer, right? You're listening to the customer at a deeper level. Uh, does the customer really want to, you know, uh, is he or she, uh, uh, you know, very very dependent on others' uh, uh, perceptions, right? Uh, so once you understand that, then accordingly, you can give them the experience that they would want. Secondly, the, uh, you know, a very important uh, uh, feature I found in B2C was uh, mm -hmm. conflict resolution, right? A lot mm -hmm. of times you find irate customers who come in and you know, they're not happy about something. And, um, uh, you, know, they're, you know, they're obviously angry. Um, mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot of... Um, uh, managers, uh, you know, the front-end managers, the front-line front staff who also get offended and who react to that. Um, mm -hmm. So th that doesn't help them in any way. So, you know, like, well, what would you do if your house was on fire? You'd first mm -hmm. douse the fire, right? right. You, you take the fire extinguisher and douse the fire. 
So uh, I, a classic example, uh, uh, you know, in retail that I saw was uh, in a small, uh, there is this uh, dosa center called Puja, Puja Dosa Camp in Banaswadi. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he was a, a local uh, uh, dosa, just, just, you know, making dosas. There was one uh, uh, person who came and he didn't have change. Um, and I, this was, of course, pre-UPI time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, now we don't have that problem. True. So he came and uh, he said, no, I don't have change, but I want the dosa now. And the, the person at the um, uh, cash counter said, no, uh, sir, sorry, we don't have uh, a change at all. If you don't have change, I can't give you the, I can't take the order. Hmm. This went on for, a, you know, about three, four minutes. And then the customer got, uh, uh, you know, irritated and angry. Uh, by then the um, uh, the owner, uh, he came over and he said, it's okay, no problem. You please eat your dosa. You give me the next time, uh, you know, you're uh, passing this by, uh, passing by uh, the store. And, and that guy, you know, immediately his anger came down. He had his dosa and he, he, was, he went away happily. I mean, to me, that is, you know, the uh, best uh, um, example I can give of conflict resolution. So uh, these are things that happen, especially in B2C. And, you know, you see a lot of, I mean, they may be going through so many things. So it's it's better to, you know, wear the hat um, of be empathetic and wear that hat rather than, you know, um, take it personally. Correct. Correct. No, absolutely. Uh, you raised a very interesting point, though. So yes. like right now you mentioned, right? So the owner came and he could take the decision. Yes. But especially in the B2C, I'm saying where it's, and I'm not talking about the chains, right? But like exactly the example you gave, like in the Dosa place. So yes. what happens? So now, for example, if I'm the employee and you are the owner, so you can take a decision. But if suppose yes. I come in, mm-hmm. how stringent do you think, because you've run a business on your own as well. So how stringent do you think the rules should be that how to what extent can I go to, you know, uh, to actually do what is better for the customer or do I need to follow the rules? Okay, um, so there's a, that's again an interesting one. I'll just go back to one more. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, see, this was a very small, uh, you know, uh, dosa place. The owner also was in and around. So, the decision making was quite easy. Right. Um, so, uh, one more had a rule which said, uh, you know, they had only two rules uh, for employees. Yes, the first one was the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. And the second rule was, if you're in doubt, go back to rule number one. So, I mean, we, you know, it, it was very clear that the mm-hmm. customer is always right, which means, you know, customer is king, right? Uh, right. Uh, 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 to put it in uh, Gandhi's Correct. word. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it was very clear that way. So, we could take decisions, um, uh, you know, based on that. Um, so, you, you, you know, you always believe what the customer says and go, you know, ensure that the experience that the customer has is great. So I think as organizations, you know, if um, uh, they give the frontline uh, staff that uh, uh, freedom and uh, clarity of, uh, you know, the experience that they want to provide, I think that really helps. Very interesting. Yes. So this actually gets me to the point around, uh, as you mentioned, right, you need a very passionate team in that case as well, uh, you know, who's also responsible enough. So what is your mantra when it comes to the hiring perspective? Uh, so, uh, with hiring, you know, uh, for me, what I feel is important is attitude, right? Skills, you can always train people. The right attitude. Um, then there has to be this, you know, what you call fire in the belly. 
I would just change that to spark in the eyes. Um, so, nice. uh, you, know, uh, you know, in terms of that passion, right? Uh, uh, when somebody is excited, nowadays, of course, even in video calls, you can make out that, you know, whether someone's really passionate about that or not. And thirdly, I would say honesty. Honesty in terms of, you know, we, we live in a world where people want to impress everybody. And, um, uh, you know, as a marketeer and a salesperson, I mean, uh, I can just see through somebody who's trying to sell to me. Right? Um, and the fourth thing is uh, resilience. How resilient has the person been uh, when faced with adverse uh, situations? Um, so uh, to give you an example, there was when I was with Tutor Vista, I, recu I recruited a tutor who was in uh, Kurg, uh, Madikere. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at um, uh, I mean, she was so happy uh, when I was leaving, you know, I said bye to her and she was so happy. And she said, Kavita, you really made my uh, career here. Because mm -hmm. living in a, a city like, uh, you know, uh, Madikere, where there's not, uh, you know, there's not much to do, right? Um, uh, so, and I'm, I'm in really enjoying this, where I'm sitting in the comfort of my home and uh, being able to create an impact on people outside. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I think the one is uh, the attitude and the resilience and honesty. There's that spark in the eye. So, when you talk about, you know, people put a lot of things in their uh, resumes. Um, so, when you talk, if let's take, for example, they've written, uh, you know, I've read XYZ books. And when uh, you ask them, what is it that you liked in that book? Or if they if they mention some hobbies, the minute you know they start talking about their hobbies, you know you see that spark in the eye, right? Mm. Uh, to me, that is important because the person needs to be passionate. We've seen that in hired, um, uh, you know, especially millennials um, who who are who are really doing well. Thankfully, you know, uh, at least uh, I would say eighty to ninety percent of uh, my hires have um, uh, you know are still where they where they were, right? Uh, in places where they're supposed to be. Wow. That's a very, very high number, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kaushik. Uh, I mean, of course, they're doing a great job, but, you know, they've not left uh, earlier than they should have. Right. So in, uh, in terms of resilience, again, you know, there are a lot of women out there. Uh, again, another hire, which I had done uh, uh, for a, a lady coming back uh, to work. Um, you know, she had about four, five years of break. And um, uh, she wasn't sure she was, you know, she needed flexibility. And then she was, uh, um, and she was also um, planning to go out of, out of the country. Uh, but then, you know, again, that fire in the belly and spark in the eye that, you know, she wants to come back uh, to work, create an impact. Uh, I honestly, I took that risk and, uh, you know, you, you have to also, uh, uh, give people that um, space, right? Sometimes uh, CVs are not perfect, right? So uh, I took a, a chance and risk on her and she's still uh, she's still there in the workforce and doing well. So this will be very interesting. How do you uh, give feedback? I mean, in the sense, like, since you've got such a high success rate, so obviously people would be looking, you know, uh, up to you when it comes to feedback as well. But what I have seen is that many people are not receptive to it. Of course, it's partly because of a lack of self-awareness, even amongst leaders, but I'm seeing even in the uh, lower spectrum of the team or the management. So let's say, so it's, how do they, how easy or tough is it to actually give feedback? Um, see, honestly, I've not found it uh, very difficult. I agree that there has to be a, a high level of self-awareness and the maturity to accept that feedback, right? 
um it's um, uh, you know it's not very easy when someone comes to you and says uh, things that you don't want to hear people uh, like to hear you know uh, what they want to hear so uh, it is um, uh, i've honestly not faced too much of a problem mainly because i think you know when you interact with people uh, first you need to understand what makes them tick Uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, what kind of a person is uh, your uh, a team member or, or your subordinate uh, are you able to uh, relate to them right and feedback uh, also um, there are a lot of uh, feedback uh, you know methods right but i i prefer uh, the sandwich method where you know you're actually first you appreciate people for what they've really done good only then they're going to be receptive to feedback right you can't all the right. time tell them you know oh you're doing everything wrong so celebrate the small wins and appreciate them as soon as that particular uh, uh, you know a task is done right? don't wait for uh, uh, big days to appreciate people uh, instant appreciation is something that has the maximum impact right somebody has done uh, great in a project you instantly appreciate them true so then they are also receptive to feedback so i honestly i'm not faced too much of uh, issues so uh, it's also the way you tell um uh, you know it's it's true of any relationship right uh, the way mm-hmm. you express the way you tell the person makes a lot of difference so so i pick up on that particular uh, uh, you know uh, area where they've gone wrong or where they could have done better instead of saying mm-hmm. gone where they could have done better and you explain to them again the same thing in terms of feedback give it to them instantly don't wait for too long when you know the uh, when it's forgotten so this right. has worked uh, well for me in fact uh, you know because uh, you you need to treat people well right uh, end of the day um, everybody wants to feel good to me you know that's the bottom line nobody wants to feel everybody wants to create impact everybody wants to be appreciated for the things they do true true so you had your own proprietorship as well right kavita's workshop i think for about 7 plus years So yes. and I need to specially mention this you had a very special purpose uh, of the proceeds going to a school for special children yes of course now csr is everywhere but this is the first time that i heard of isr which is individual social responsibility so can you just throw some more light around isr in general and what drove you to it um sure akashif thank you for that now that's that's something very close to my heart um and like i told you how you know what led me to have uh, kavita's workshop eh? in fact the name itself came through one of my uh, brother's uh, friend because i said you know uh, i'm going to be going to offices and um, uh, you know uh, showcasing the jewelry uh, so in all this um, you know when i got into uh, the entrepreneurship uh, i said now this is my own uh, business um so if i were to uh, have a business at a large scale there are some things that you know you do as part of social responsibility now uh, from a young age i've always felt that um, you know you, you don't have to do really uh, we all want to create big impact we all want to be uh, uh, you know the azim premjis of the world uh, but what we don't realize is the power of one uh, this is something that uh, you know i would give credit to a lady called shukla bose who runs mm-hmm. the parikrama foundation uh, the power of uh, you know creating the impact of on even one person you don't you don't have to uh, you know spend thousands of uh, rupees on anybody right if you are mm-hmm. able to make a difference in uh, one person's life uh, i mean you should be you should actually be happy that you're able to create that impact don't wait to do big things start with small 
things if it, if you are able to scale after that great nothing uh, you know uh, nothing better than that but then it shouldn't stop you from uh, you know creating an impact making a difference in the life of one person so that's when you know i said um, i will call it individual social responsibility because it's my social responsibility to make a difference in the world however little it is um so that's why a part of the proceeds from uh, kavita's workshop uh, went to uh, a children's uh, a school for uh, special children called shrividya's uh, school for special children in hyderabad uh, i knew it was an authentic one because um, uh, one of my relatives was, who was a special child used to go there um, the lady behind it was you know also very very uh, um, uh, in terms of very committed to the cause so i felt you know i should be able to do something for them so that's the uh, that's the background to it very nice and some, what were the some of the challenges that you faced in your workshop um, again you know if you are in solo solopreneurship it's lonely at the top especially right. if you have a co-founder uh, if you have a co-founder it's great uh, but this was something you know which was i uh, created it uh, for myself in terms of flexibility i did have you know uh, uh, a few um, interns who could uh, help me with uh, uh, the stalls or even in terms of beading uh, jewelry uh, main challenge what i faced with uh, uh, companies right even then you know there was always a thing of i i want to go to corporates uh, I, so i've been to companies like uh, tech mahindra and oracle financial services on women's day and you know uh, actually had uh, the my jewelry stall there so mm-hmm. the challenge uh, that i faced was what's the name of your company uh, and that was a common question which a lot of corporates asked so right. that led me to create um, kavita's workshop i said i'm going to keep it personal a workshop because you can shop at work um, so that was the uh, uh, nice. name that was one challenge second was you know uh, see you have to do everything right it teaches you a lot of things um, i mean you don't uh, you don't have uh, 100 member staff to do uh, when you're single you have to just you know do everything yourself right from tagging the jewelry to you know uh, putting uh, stuff uh, uh, displaying the stuff uh, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's that's something that you learn you know i mean you have to uh, you have to do your own accounting you have to do your own branding you are uh, you know one and all correct correct and in terms of uh, competition see funding is uh, with uh, entrepreneurship what i found was uh, um, i did get my msme certificate um, i networked a lot with women entrepreneurs um, mm-hmm. still in touch with a lot of them uh, one uh, major challenge which i faced at that time was um, to get uh, funding without a collateral um, right um, so no bank will uh, Uh, they will say you know, at that time it was 30% uh, you know at least 30% you had to fund um, mm-hmm. so there is no bank that really said okay we'll back you uh, 95% funding we will do uh, so that was one major challenge which you know, i i couldn't scale because of that uh, mm-hmm. and also in terms of competition was you know uh, the landscape was changing right when i started uh, going to offices there were very few people who were doing that Uh, and then a lot of women uh, you know uh, came forward and because that was a good way to actually uh, you know work uh, flexibly um, so those were the challenges very interesting so on a slightly lighter note you're the first person i know that who's into throwball so i'm <laughs> very sure there'll be an interesting story to this so how did you get into throwball uh, kashik uh, thanks for that that's again my favorite sport 
um throwball is was a game during my school days which is a state level uh, sport uh, now i believe it's a national level sport uh, i studied in a school called uh, holy angels most part of my schooling was there in chennai um so we had uh, uh, you know like you have your volleyball and your basketball teams now we mm. had a throwball team and um, uh, coincidentally i had a neighbor who uh, who was good at throwball and she taught me uh, you know a few tricks of the game from um, uh, what we used to call as uh, smashing which is you know like your tennis the way you uh, uh, smashing mm-hmm. the, the throwball and it's it's a quite interesting game uh, with a lot of rules um and uh, i mean that was i was i was the school ta- uh, captain uh, for a few years wow. so that's uh, i mean i mean I, unfortunately at that time it was only a state level game today luckily it's a national level game but you're also into basketball right so how critical is physical activity as a whole when it comes to mental wellness uh, so basketball was actually like you know a very uh, i would say um, just before covid when i was uh, uh, you know i got bored of just uh, walking and swimming i said i have to get into some sport where uh, uh, you know like i can't play throwball by myself you need a team <laughs> uh, and you need the nets so right. and it's not a very popular game um, where people play uh, so in our complex we have a you know basketball court so i started learning basketball again um, uh, i'm a solo basketballer most of the time um, so i've learned the game a 16 year old taught me you know the basics of the game and um, i i really feel that uh, you know it's uh, very important right physical activity in um, the whole wellness bit um see we uh, we're all used to uh, in especially with the sport it gives you a lot of um, see i must play throwball uh, why because uh, it teaches you a lot of things one is it teaches you teamwork it teaches you focus uh, secondly is that fe- again you know that feel good factor all the feel good hormones when you take a walk when you swim when you uh, play basketball um, you know it's it, it, i mean your body feels good so does your mind and that mental agility right um, that is something that i found uh, has really helped me um in terms of um, you know you're able to take quick decisions you're able to uh, decide fast you know even though i'm uh, i did play one game with uh, uh, you know uh, in the in the complex with uh, um, youngsters and uh, people above 40 uh, mm-hmm. and i did make one basket uh, this was <laughs> much before i was proficient so <laughs> so that's a bit um so i think it's all that put together right and uh, mental wellness is not only by doing uh, see the various ways my meditation definitely helps uh, silence helps reflection helps similarly so does a sport right the high it gives you is, is something that you you know that's the energy that you get for uh, the rest of the day True. so i think that's really important fantastic so uh, in fact you're also into photography and traveling so yeah. what's your take on hobbies especially when it comes to work life balance as well uh, so kaushik this is a very important thing i feel you know uh, that uh, especially women uh, i see that you know they uh, i mean it's uh, it's a practical problem you know you're so uh, bogged down with things and you know home and work that you don't find time for hobbies now why hobbies again to get your mind out of work uh you can't be working uh, you know with uh, your mind at work uh, 75% of the time uh, 
ஆர்கிடெக்சர் Uh, i mean it really helps me connect uh, with nature right um, mm-hmm. and secondly in terms of uh, photography was again covid um, induced um, because you know at that time you know especially the first round right and when covid was new people would think that even looking at somebody you'll get covid so right. um, there was something that you know you really needed to uh, create and there were a few common uh, kingfishers which uh, were there in uh, you know near our uh, in in our building so uh, i have a basic camera so i said okay let me get into i've seen my dad who used to be an avid uh, photographer mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i said let me let me try maybe and i got uh, i fell in love with bird photography a lot more i can do but yes um, i realized that i uh, actually had a lot of patience because of that and um, then um, see these two things right uh, people take uh, uh, work life balance is very um, you know it's a very wi- uh, a term which is very uh, misused or overused mm-hmm. right when when somebody says work life balance uh, the assumption is oh the person is not committed to work or mm-hmm. you know uh, so that's a very wrong uh, uh, misconception uh, you know is it, when you say work life balance what is it it's it's just that you want different things in your life Uh, and you take take for example a child um, mm-hmm. if the child is only studying and not uh, into sports or into extracurricular activities i mean there's only one facet right of the child getting developed similarly for an adult right if you're mm-hmm. only obsessed with work i mean you're going to get burnt out you will not have time to um, you know uh, see go to your child's graduation you won't have time to see your a child walk um you you won't have you know those are those simple things joys of life end of the day you're doing all this for whom um so if you know uh, i find people being very casual about i mean i'm i'm quite particular about uh, uh, birthdays and anniversaries right mm-hmm. um uh, i mean that's me uh, you could be right. uh, you know, so why why can't you take a day off you know or just spend uh, two hours uh, uh with your uh, uh, you know with your uh, loved ones uh, i mean those end of the day it's your life that one life that you have so mm-hmm. work life balance is very important again you know there are times when i worked on weekends and you know when when there's a real emergency so mm-hmm. that has to be an exception don't normalize uh, you know oh it's okay to work till 11 o'clock in the night it's okay to work on weekends by the time you turn around your life is gone you're not going to have that time back absolutely so my final question and i could say it is one of my favorites so if you could go back in time what advice would you give the 20 year old kavita this is the whole lot of advice with the lot of lessons over time but one i would say kashik is uh, not to have uh, you know preconceived notions take the plunge Uh, mm-hmm. which i had uh, as a you know a 23 year old i thought i had my whole life planned and you know i had everything i uh, uh, i i like to believe that i'm a, i plan well so i thought i had everything sorted and you know okay 
and you know these are the uh, paths that i'm going to take so i would mm -hmm. just say take the plunge don't um, have any preconceived notions and uh, also have a growth mindset right uh, invest mm -hmm. in learning don't you know at uh, you know uh, 23 year you know just fresh out of mba you think you know everything and you have the chip on the shoulder let's say go out with an open mind Um, you know be confident definitely you know you're uh, you deserve that but end of the day uh, invest in learning be open to learning new things yeah absolutely couldn't agree more i think uh, <laughs> pretty much one of the points even i completely echo so great so thank you so much kavita for having taken the time out loved your insights um, on virtually the entire thing right from the conflict resolution all the way even to throw ball there was a good learning <laughs> for me as well but uh, really appreciate it once again and uh, thanks for having taken the time out uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast karshik hope you enjoyed the episode if you wish to collaborate you can reach out to me on linkedin.com/in/kashik-boss